Hello, my friends. Welcome to Story You Talk Radio. I'm your host, Coach Debbie, and I'm delighted you have reserved this hour to spend with me. We come to you live from KKNW 11:50 a.m. in the Seattle area every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific time. And if you're on the East Coast, you can listen through our app at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. We also offer you a replay on Friday mornings if you're back to work and commuting on the Pacific Time Zone. That will be at 6 a.m. on Fridays and Eastern Time Zone is 9 a.m. So thank you so much for joining me. I would love to take your questions. If you have any questions or comments, you can always log into Facebook and go to Coach Debbie. That's D-E-B-B-Y, Coach Debbie, and just send me a personal message and I will uh, read it on the air. I'll only read your first name. We stay pretty anonymous here. Or just tell me you don't even want that much read. And you could also, if you would prefer, send me an email. And that is askcoachdebbie, askcoachdebbie at gmail.com. And Debbie is spelled D-E-B-B-Y. We are going to get into some vulnerable topics today. And really, this comes from conversations that I've had and letters I have received where people in my community are talking about the idea that it's hard to share your story in anonymous fellowships if you're not accustomed to this. It's really hard to sort of get your chops at sharing that story and feeling like you belong. Because even though some of these fellowships that are anonymous and and based out of 12 steps or cognitive therapy, or there's, there's so many different types of anonymous fellowships, what many of us are aware of is when we're there, we're public there. Our story is coming out of us. And even if we look around the room and we only see, you know, 30 people or 10 people or five people, we're still being public to them. Even though this group is officially anonymous. So how do we work with that? How do we work with the story that's inside of us? That we have some sense if we share it will give us some more healing, some more freedom in our life. But that means we have to go public. And for some of us, that means that before we've had a chance to write it out and look it over and edit it and make it look all nice, we're just all of a sudden in the hot seat where it's time to talk. It's time to share. It's time to be a member of the group by being vulnerable and offering story. How do we do that? Well, that's what today is about. So again, if you have something on your heart and you would like to share that here or get a little help with 
speaking up in these groups, you can write to me at askcoachdebbie at gmail.com, askcoachdebbie at gmail.com. And Debbie is spelled D-E-B-B-Y. Or head on over to Facebook, Coach Debbie, and just send a personal message. And I will get to that. I already have several people here that have sent things in that are inspiring today's show. So rest assured, if you have asked for my help with this in the most recent future, I will be talking about that today. All right. Well, now, one of the reasons that we want to be sharing publicly is, of course, because there's growth when we're vulnerable, right? There's growth when we are learning to be more intimate with our own history, our own past, and more honest with how we want to express ourselves and show up in today, let alone our future. So the question often is, Why do we have to be vulnerable if what we really want to do is move forward? Why do we have to share about where we've been? This is a very, very good question. And I want to thank AJ for sending it in. We're just using your initials here. Great question. We're going to be talking about that. I have a few things I want to get into around the topic of vulnerability. So first off, what is an anonymous fellowship? Usually an anonymous fellowship is some sort of closed arena that you can come to because you're dealing with something regarding health, mental health, addiction, any sort of uh, compulsion, or one of your family members is, or in general, you, you really want to be able to have a place you can come that feels safe and allows you to grow. Many people are led to these places because they've been living in a real live story. In other words, Their day-to-day life has some issue that is scaring them or just literally bringing them to their knees. One client I work with, she is someone that is in an anonymous fellowship that is all around sugar and food. And her reason for doing that is because she cannot manage how she feels about sugar and food without the help of others. And it is in the storytelling that she gets healing. Another person in my life has a similar background, but instead of picking up cupcakes, as I might do, this person picks up cocktails. And because of that escape from emotion has a lot of hard story in real life and is now in an anonymous fellowship that honors those stories. 
But this is a person that feels pretty scared about sharing publicly their own experience and their own plan of how to move forward. They actually feel like they're stuck in the middle. They know what their own experience is, but not sure how to move forward. And sometimes when we're vulnerable about that's just where we're at, we start to get the help we need. So public sharing is what happens anywhere where we're we're sharing beyond a one-on-one conversation. It's public. It's public to some people. But within that, we can circle around and say, hey, the five of us who are sitting around this table will never take it beyond this table. But at this table, we're being public with each other. So you've got Tom, Dick, Mary, Jane, and Sally all sitting around a table, and we're public with each other. But Tom, Dick, Mary, Jane, and Sally all understand as soon as we leave this table, we don't share any of this because it is an anonymous fellowship. So you see the difference there? We're public with each other, but we don't take it into any other public place because we've decided this fellowship we have is anonymous. And it may be Bill W., who is the founder of Anonymous Fellowships. I honestly don't know. I can I can tell you that he is the start of 12-step recovery for alcoholics. He found Alcoholics Anonymous with his doctor friend. Mm, I just forgot how he identifies his name. I think it's Dave... Oh, I just forgot. But anyway, Bill W., uh, quite famous for AA, for Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's just one of many anonymous fellowships where people gather, sometimes on a regular basis, sometimes on a drop-in basis, and they share their stories. And they do this because they know it helps them heal, let alone completely change their lives. So as you can sense, this is a vulnerable experience. And as AJ brought up, why would we do this when we want to move forward? Why would we share about our past if we're trying so hard to not go to our past and we actually want to move into our future? Well, let me just share a few reasons for why sharing our stories is actually helping us to learn vulnerability and humility and a whole lot of other wonderful traits. One is that we grow leaps and bounds when we commit to being honest and kind, and we even find ways to start to be kind to ourselves and to our fellow man. We, we really start to make exponential growth when we have a certain commitment to being honest and to being kind. And you might think, well, 
doesn't everyone, doesn't everyone get up with the thought of being, you know, kind throughout their day? I, I'd like to say that's so, that everyone does. But based on how I experience the day, especially a very public day, I have to say no. I, I don't believe we're all committed to being kind and to being honest. But I think we can change that as soon as we take a look at ourselves and we make ourselves aware that it's nice to be kind, but did I really commit to it when I got up this morning? When I was making that pot of coffee, was I really thinking about the idea that I want to go forward into my day, forward into my life, and be someone who is kind, regardless of whatever is on the docket for my human experience today. Because we don't always know that, right? We don't always know that 10 minutes into the drive to work, we're going to end up in a fender bender. And we're going to think we have a new enemy in the world. Can we still be kind when we think that they were a blankety, blankety, blank for hitting us in the rump while we were going down the freeway? Can we maybe find the kindness to realize they're probably mortified that this happened? Can we be honest about the fact that it could have just as easily have been us running into the car in front of us as it may have been for the car behind that actually hit us. When we start to commit to being honest and being kind as we go into our day, and AJ, I'm really speaking to you here, what we're doing is we're, we're actually showing up a little better for life, we're being vulnerable to the fact that it can be easy to just get mad. But what is it like to, as many anonymous fellowships say, work a program? When you're working a program, you're thinking about these things like being honest, being kind, being present, going forward into your day. And you're also noticing that one month ago, three months ago, a year ago, I wasn't so good at this. Maybe it's been a long time practice. Maybe for 10 years now, anytime a little fender bender happens, you feel pretty skilled at just getting out of the car and going up to the person and saying, no problem, no problem, we'll work this out. But if you haven't had the experience of Talking about your past and where you've gone wrong and what you're willing to own, sometimes it's really hard to let another human being off the hook when you might want to just go up to them and say, what the heck were you thinking? It just doesn't work when we live life from that perspective. But if we take time to grow ourselves and to talk about the places we've been at and how we have seen our life differently now that we're here, present in this moment, looking back at old moments, 
I personally think it's a lot easier to traverse what's up ahead and in front of us, especially because the people in these anonymous fellowships want to know that they're not alone in the weaknesses and the shortcomings that they've lived through. And when we share our experience, when you share your experience, the person next to you and behind you and in front of you feels just a little more more welcomed that what they've done and what they've gone through has some normality to it. Maybe those catastrophic things don't. Maybe those catastrophic things were just a little out of the ordinary, but it is normal to lose your temper. We work out all the other stuff in the groups. AJ, I just want to thank you for bringing this up because talking about our past isn't really going down the rabbit hole of our past. It's more about acknowledging where we've been and really being present to what is now and what am I committed to as I go into my day, let alone my future. We're diving in today about how do we share our stories publicly, even in small, intimate, anonymous groups. Stay with me. We're going to take a short little break right here, but we're going to come right back. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Nathan Mum, host of Tech Time Radio with Nathan Mum on KKNW. Tech Time Radio's live show is Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. And you can always check us on the web at techtimeradio.com. Our segmented stylized radio gives you the breaking news before it hits mainstream media. Join myself and Mike Rodea as we'll make you laugh. That's good. Hooked on Fox worked for you, didn't it? (laughs) It did, just a little bit. And learning something new in technology, join us Saturdays, 4 to 6 p.m. and Thursdays from 6 to 7 a.m. The technology show for the everyday common person. For 35 years, Dony Co. Pet Clinic has provided comprehensive care for the animals of people in need. Funded by donations and powered by volunteers, Dony Co. Pet Clinics keeps overhead to a minimum to ensure healing is at a maximum. Please join Team Dony Co. and make a difference in the lives of people and their animals. Volunteer or donate. Donate today, Dony Co. Pet Clinic. Log into donyco.org. That's D-O-N-E-Y-C-O-E dot org. Talk radio for the heart and soul. Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. If you're just joining me live here or if you're listening to the recording, We've started in by talking about what does it mean to really share your story when you're in a more anonymous fellowship? How do you go public with the people around you when you're in a place that is anonymous? A lot of us feel a lot of comfort around the idea of sitting in the back of the room and a place that addresses any kind of addiction or any kind of therapy where maybe we can stay heartily anonymous by keeping our mouth shut and sipping on some coffee. 
but it has been my experience, especially in a particular anonymous group called Al-Anon for Friends and Family Members of Alcoholics. I've come to see how I've grown as a human being by having a willingness to share my story. And that doesn't mean I share my whole life story. And in many situations, we're only given about three to four minutes to share something on our heart. But what I find is really important for me is to share something because I understand we all have a shared experience. If we've come to these rooms, one of the things I've come to understand is that there's this shared experience with guilt or a shared experience with shame or a shared experience with vulnerability or a shared experience where we want to hide or we want to fix it quickly. We share this idea that something is off and we're in a process of growing. But when we tell a little bit about our story, we open up the opportunity for others to share and the growth really, really affects us in a more exponential way, far more than if we were trying to do all this by ourselves. AJ opened up the conversation about reasons for being vulnerable. And I'd just like to give you just a short list of some reasons why we might want to take that risk in an anonymous fellowship and share a little about our story. For one, I think it's important that we remember we don't need to be an expert to be truly helpful. Most of the people in the rooms of anonymous fellowships are not trained professionals. Most of us are coming there because we feel very untrained in our situation. But even those who are trained professionals, believe me, I've had conversations with many and I have my own training in literature and storytelling. But do I feel I'm an expert when I walk into those rooms? Honestly, I feel like I'm a little child. I feel like I'm just this young thing that is really trying to learn a little more about living more presently and intentionally. So coming into these rooms and being vulnerable and being willing to share sort of takes off any mask around the notion that I might be an expert. What I am is I'm someone who's vulnerable and could be truly helpful just by sharing a story. Another thing I think is really important to remember is that when we talk we start to accept our own human imperfections. I am, I am what I would call a perfectionist in recovery. I really like to do things well. And I really love it if you give me an award for doing it well. Oh, that's so nice. It just feels good. But is that necessarily great for my humility? Not always. Do we need to, to ban all honors and rewards? Not necessarily. 
But what I think is best is when we find our way to sort of throw our arms around our own imperfections and realize we're not going to get awarded every time we overcome them or we grow through them. But what we will get is a more humbled critic, that that inner voice inside of us that is so judgmental and is pushing us and making us strive for a better tomorrow in, a, in sort of a glorified way. We don't really need that so much when we step into a more vulnerable storytelling. And we can say, guess what? I told a big fat whopper last week. And I want to come clean about it this week because I think there's a real learning lesson for me here. And we share it. We share it with these three people, 10 people, 20 people that we know are not going to take this outside of the group. It's one of those statutes of, do they call it statues of limitation? Mm, that might be the wrong term. But it's, it's one of those things that in a noble way, you honor for the good of growing in a anonymous fellowship, any sort of anonymous fellowship. Another reason why sharing your story and being vulnerable can be very helpful is because it's a way to understand difference between what I would call caretaking and actually taking care of yourself and taking care of others. One, one way to distinguish this is how we leap forward in a very sort of heroic way to look out for others when we have a certain wreckage going on in our own home that actually needs attention first. In anonymous fellowships, they talk about the, the very real situation that is expressed in emergency care when you're flying an airplane. They use it as a metaphor. They talk about the idea of putting an oxygen mask on yourself and then taking a mask and assisting those around you that might not be able to assist themselves. So for example, your three-year-old child. Now, I am not a mother, but I can tell you that I was a very young girl the first time I heard this idea of putting an oxygen mask on myself and then, you know, helping the small person or, or maybe the disabled person or whatever situation was going on around me where help is needed. It just seemed like, no, no, who would do that? You know, if you're a parent, of course, you are going to look after your youngster before it even dawns on you to put on your own mask. But here's the interesting thing. When you're part of an anonymous fellowship, you are part of retraining and you are coming to understand that you're really no good for others if you can't breathe, right? 
if you don't have any oxygen going through your lungs, you really can't help the one next to you that needs you. So by being alert and attentive and putting on your own mask first, you can then help the one next to you. It seems backwards, but honestly, think about it. If you're not breathing, you're in no position to help. If you're in your own wreckage, you're in no position to take your one hand and and offer it to someone else when you can't steady yourself yet. When we're vulnerable in these anonymous fellowships, we hear ourselves share our own story. And we start to realize how much oxygen we're actually taking in. How conscious are we in our lives anyway? How much health are we giving to ourselves? Are we so busy at providing care for others that our own care for ourselves is possibly in a state of abuse, definitely in a state of neglect? It's a hard thing to admit, but if we're willing to start to share our stories vulnerably, we'll notice and we'll, we'll be able to not only care a little more for ourselves, but we'll see the common experience we have with others and we'll see when is the right timing to offer our care to others. One thing that I had to speak up about in a meeting once was that I all of a sudden realized I had too many people that I was sponsoring one-on-one. And sponsorship is an idea that is core to many anonymous fellowships. And it's basically, uh, I don't want to say an on-call program, but just for keeping it simple, let's let's just think of it that way. In in a certain way, you are on call to others. And what I have found is I can do this well for one or two people. But when I start looking around an anonymous fellowship group and I see 10 people raising their hands, looking for someone to, we call it sponsoring, looking for someone to sponsor them, and I take on maybe four new people, yeah, I usually find that my phone is ringing just a little too much for me to offer the care I need to offer me. I start redirecting too much care to these others. So it's not a black and white thing. I can have one or two sponsees and do great. But when I get into numbers like four and five and six and seven, it's usually too much for me to manage. So what I've had to learn is when I talk about this in the Anonymous Fellowship and when I open up about my story and say, you know, I was feeling really guilty last week because I wasn't able to return all the phone calls and I was starting to feel like I don't do this program well. 
And then I realized what the real problem was. And it wasn't that I'm not working the program well in terms of what the slogans are and what the steps are. It was that I'm not taking great care of myself because I've slipped back into an old pattern. And that is I'm taking so much care of others that I don't have the care for myself in my day-to-day life. When I hear myself say that out loud, there's often another person in the room that identifies, if not more than one person. And it might not be a direct correlation, but in any way that we identify, we grow. And we start to see what the story is that's on our own mind, and we feel a certain freedom to share it and to allow it to help us. And that is in some way a lighter story. This idea that we might overextend ourselves and therefore not have the energy to care for ourselves first because we're caretaking. And the idea of really being in groups is to care, not to necessarily be a caretaker for someone else. It's like the difference between being a friend and overstepping that boundary and all of a sudden being a caretaker to that friend that didn't ask for that, that didn't send out an invitation for that. There's a place in the world to be a caretaker but it's not synonymous with being a sponsor or being a friend. And in many situations, being a family member. When we start to talk about these stories vulnerably in these groups, we see where we're at and how we might grow and how we can take ourselves into our future. I hope that helps you. Uh, I want to read a little note that came in from, because we're talking about anonymous fellowships, I just want to use initials. Uh, This came in from SZ. And she talks about this. So I'm just going to put out this question here, and then we're going to take a little break, and then I will address it. And she says, Since I am not in any way trained to be a speaker, I'm very intimidated to even think about opening my mouth. When is the right time to share my story? What if my story starts to bring other people down? I don't really feel comfortable with timing, but sometimes I have to get honest with myself because really What's hard for me to do is to admit that maybe somewhere I was wrong. All right. So this comes from SZ. She is someone who had a question about sharing your story in anonymous fellowships. See if this resonates with you. The idea of what about me being wrong? And we're going to take just a little break here so I can... Think up my answer, and we'll come right back. Stay tuned.
Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m., right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. We're being very vulnerable here today, and we're learning a lot about what does it mean when you know you're not a public speaker, but you could grow exponentially if you shared your story in an anonymous fellowship or anywhere where there's three people, you know, beyond you and one other person. And usually, you know, you will grow exponentially because at least your subconscious knows this because your story has been witnessed. There's a certain growth when we're vulnerable and we're willing to share, but also that it landed on the heart of a listener, someone that was quiet enough for there to be space for us to share and space for us to grow. And that is not reserved just for public speakers, not at all. So we got a little letter here from SZ. I'm just using initials today because we are talking about anonymous fellowships And she was sharing that she also, not being a public speaker, is having a hard time knowing when to speak up because there's a fear that she might be wrong. In other words, her sharing, I think is what she's saying, whatever it is she wants to share, what if she gets it wrong? Or what if she is wrong about something in her story? And I understand this quite a bit as another person in an anonymous fellowship. I might not understand it as a a trained psychopathic, um, (laughs) psychopathic. That's not what I meant to say. I am not a trained psychopath. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Um, I'm an untrained psychopath. How's that? (laughs) A trained psychologist. Um, I am not a trained psychologist, so I can't say I know the psychology behind the notion of wanting to be right. But I can tell you from my own experience as a human being and as someone who has often thought I've wronged people, I can say I relate to this experience that SZ has written in about. So let me just share this. When when we share something on our heart, it's not that we're trying to logically get it right. It's that we're trying to be available to a new experience. This is something I've learned a lot in anonymous fellowships. So There was a time when I was present with a trained 
psychologist, <laughs> not a trained psychotherapist. <laughs> I can't believe I said psychotic. Anyway, a trained psychologist. And she and I and my husband were going through counseling together. And we were talking about addiction. And I heard myself say, my problem with this marriage is that I know I have done every single last thing I can think of. And I just want to tell you, my dear listener, I was feeling pretty indignant by that statement that I had done every single last thing I could think of. Well, in that moment, I didn't realize I was really attached to the idea of being right. I wanted the psychologist to say, aha, since Debbie has tried everything, we understand now that she is right. And that makes the other person in the room wrong. And the other person in the room was my husband. And I was trying to have a relationship with him. And I was not seeing that this behavior I had going on absolutely was not going to work. However, as I worked through that with the psychologist and the husband, (laughs) and as I brought this kind of indignant idea to the group, what I started to hear wasn't, am I wrong or am I right? What I started to hear was my attachment to being seen as the person that did the right thing. I did it right. And I wanted validation for it. Back to the idea of I wanted an award for it. But the longer I was willing to be with my story and hear the stories of others and return to these fellowships, the easier it was for me to start to give up that indignant feeling and realize if I want to grow, if I want to have a relationship with the people that I say I want to have relationship with, then I'm going to have to find a more humble path. And it's not about the idea that I was wrong or I was right. It's more about the idea that I am here because I want to see it differently. And when we do that, then it's easier to look at the past and go, ooh, I think I was out of line there. I think I was being indignant. I was wrong to behave that way. And I'm sorry. But I also really, really appreciate the opportunity for growth by knowing I don't have to be in any way skilled in my speaking in these anonymous fellowships because my focus is on my growth. My focus is on having some connection with these others in the room. My focus is that I want to be in the circle of a shared experience. That takes all the pressure out of how well I'm going to speak or how badly I'm going to speak or if I'm going to fall into tears. Just today, I had a mentoring session with my writing mentor and spiritual mentor, and I didn't expect it, but whammo, out of the blue, 
He asked a great question, and there I was reaching for the tissues, you know, tears streaming down my face, because that's part of being available to growing. And usually when this happens, all capacity, (laughs) all capacity to be eloquent is gone. And for those of us that don't feel that there's any match in being vulnerable and eloquent, God knows I don't feel there's a match there. Um, It's really, really helpful to know when you go into these rooms, people aren't there because they're trying to develop public speaking skills. That's something you can work on somewhere else. But I'll tell you this, the gravy is that you do develop some speaking skills because you've gotten honest with yourself. Someone that's really helped me with me is the author Melody Beattie. And she wrote a book called Journey to the Heart. And it's really these daily meditations um, for anyone in anonymous fellowships. But here's just an excerpt that I liked a lot. It's... um, The title of the expert excerpt, I'm really having trouble with my words today, aren't I? (laughs) The title of the excerpt is, see how powerful you are. And she says this, people who believe their victims get to be right. Mm, This is me. People who believe their victims get to be right. Each experience they have convinces them of that. They don't open themselves to the lessons, the growth, and the beauty of each situation that they encounter. When we believe something different, we get to see something different. And she goes on, talks quite a bit there. But I didn't really understand And I'm speaking here to SZ and I'm speaking here to others. I didn't really understand that my desire for groups to see me being right, for the counselor to see me being right, for my writing mentor and spiritual leader to go, ah, Debbie's right again. (laughs) I really didn't understand that. That had a lot to do with me really hanging out in a victim place and holding my my vulnerable story inside where it was safe, where I didn't have to be as honest. It takes some time. It takes some growth. It takes some vulnerability to realize when we come together with others We're there to grow and to share and to see our common experience. We're not there to be right. But if we feel right when we come in those first few times or several times, that too, it's part of the shared experience. It's me. I would like to say it's totally the old me and I'm 100% over it, but I'm not. I got reminded of that today. I was really glad when my my teacher asked me this question. It had something to do with, I wish I could quote it for you. It was really good about the idea that 
while I might be a great co-pilot in situations, what would it be like to really let the experts pilot the plane and I be a passenger? In other words, my teacher was saying, even though you're referring to yourself as a co-pilot, Debbie, I'm still seeing you clutching just a little bit here to some control when you could actually be more of a passenger, more of a participant, let's say, just like those of us that participate in anonymous fellowships. We know we're not there to cultivate public speaking skills, even though that's probably that's probably going to be one of the things we do cultivate. That's not what's, what's driving us to be there. What's really driving us to be there is our own state of humility that desires growth. So let me just share with you a couple more reasons why we might seek out this vulnerable way of sharing story and honoring the stories of others in these anonymous fellowships, because we know we're not going to take it outside of that group. One thing is, like I just said, we want to realize we're not the expert. We're there really to be truly helpful. We want to calm the inner critic and really start to accept our imperfections, like we spoke about a month. A minute ago, we want to look at the idea that articulating our strengths and noticing our shortcomings is just part of honoring strengths and noticing shortcomings. So when we speak of them, we're actually giving some honor to ourself of where we are on our path. I also love the idea that when we share our stories, what we spoke about a minute ago was that we're releasing this need to take care of everyone around us. And we're throwing our arms around caring, really genuinely caring for ourselves and for those around us. Now, that all said, you might think, well, if I'm, if I'm not going to be a constant caretaker for everyone around me, what happens when I need help? How do I do that? Many of us in anonymous fellowships long ago were taught or shamed that when you need help, you're actually showing a weakness. And then if you can strive your way through or white knuckle your way through and be there for yourself, but, but actually more of a pushing push through. So you get to the other side and take care of everybody else that that's actually, you know, worthy of the Nobel prize. Maybe it is, but in these fellowships, what we're trying to learn is that Asking for help allows us to be vulnerable, allows us a true experience of what it's like to receive, allows us to grow, allows us to be honest. 
it's very, very different than, than not asking for help because it would show weakness or even doing the work, the, the worst side of it, if you ask me, and that is not asking for help to the extent that once we are so desperate for it, we no longer have the capacity to even say help. We no longer have the capacity to even get to the anonymous fellowship and start to be a part of the stories where that growth happens. We don't want to lose track of the fact that it's always available to us. One of the great things about being a storyteller and sharing stories is knowing that you're not just doing it as a profession, of course. You're doing it day to day, moment to moment for your own growth, whether it's spiritual growth, mental health growth, healthcare growth, whether it's growth as a writer, growth as a public speaker, any kind of growth you are after. When you are willing to be vulnerable, you're going to grow. It's not a sign of weakness. So I want to thank those. I didn't get to everyone, but I want to thank those that wrote in and said, I am in an anonymous fellowship and speaking publicly scares the pants off me. I hope this has been helpful to you. I will be writing to the rest of you. And anytime you have a question about sharing your stories, writing your stories, coming up with your stories, I'd love for you to bring them right here to Story You Talk Radio. That's all I have for you this week. Until next Thursday. Namaste, my friends. <music>